Welcome back to another exciting episode of Extra Feature Interview. Today I have a fabulous guest whose film's Yellow is think going available on the film festival. So it could be a great if I'm wrong. Cameron Bell, welcome to the show. Hi, Sam. How you doing? And my name is Simon, not Sam, but good luck. Simon, Sam, either way, it's 2024. It's good enough for me. <laughs> I'll accept anything. You didn't insult me. I'm good. How are you doing, by I'm, the way? I'm good. I'm very well, thank you. I'm sorry for the for the rushedness of this nature. I was literally five minutes before this interview. I was getting all bits and pieces for another film festival submission for Yellow. So I apologize for uh, <laughs> for getting your name wrong. Oh, good. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, I'm very well. I'm very well. 24 has started in a very good way. So when you're prepping for a role such as this is a little bit darker than maybe you're normally accustomed to, do you prep yourself differently or you just consider yourself an actor and you're always good to go? Um, I have to have, with everything I do, um, I have to have like an emotional wane. So in the darker roles, it's not different. I wouldn't say it's very different to any sort of other roles. Um, I'd say that, um, with everything, it's just trying to find that emotional way in that, you know, to really ground that character in a reality that is only specific to that character. Um, so with the role of Kaysen, it, it is, it is a very, very, the, the most, the most interesting thing about a role like Kaysen and with any actual real life situation with Kaysen is that like, there's always a sense that they know that they're doing right, that they believe that they're doing right, and they believe that they're justified in their action. Um, and obviously, in a, in a normal society, um, you have to find different ways. Um, I watched a documentary on Ted Bundy, and he, he, he is, to me, he's the most terrifying man, person to ever exist, because he came across as an incredibly charming, um, very intelligent, highly educated person. And obviously that was a mask for sort of his psychological, deep psychological issues. But um, that was the way that I, I lent towards the character like that. Also, Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, um, if the Netflix series was just chilling, just absolutely chilling to me. And that informed my sort of approach to a role, a darker role like Kaysen. For sure. So, how early were you on to the project? Were you on at the right pre-writing process when Yellow was found? I mean, I have lots of questions. Yeah, no. Um, so, Darren James King, who's was the director and also writer of this um, of this film, um, he spoke to me about it. We've got quite a we've got a very good kind of creative partnership and friendship. I've known Darren for about six or seven years now. And um, he talked to me about it. I want to say that the period keeps getting longer. It was 18 months, but I feel like it's more like two years ago now. So he phoned me up um, and he said, I've got this story. I want to pitch it to you. Um, and he took me through it. And I remember saying to him, I was like, wow, that, that could be really, really interesting and really good to, to you know, to get done. And uh, we didn't, at the time, we didn't have the resources to, to do it. It was more like the vision wasn't there. The, the story was definitely there. And it, it hadn't changed very much from the final version that you see. Um, but, yeah, I, I was I was hooked from the very first time that he said it. He, um, he like, first pitched me the story. Um, 
and then we'd worked on a um so again about two years later feels like two years um we shot a short film in december 2022 um in south end studio in south end and on that film we were able to uh, work with a uh, rdp uh, tom laxton and um who we kind of negotiated with. Tom's been on some very exciting projects. He's done some Netflix uh, shows. Um, and um, the vision that Tom had and the working relationship that Tom had with Darren on that previous short, it kind of clicked with Darren. Um, and Darren said to me, hey, do you remember Yellow? Like a week after we finished the previous short. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Yellow. And it was off the back of having such an amazing time shooting that short film called The Players. Uh, again, another sort of horror, sort of Saw-type influence film. And he said, do you fancy doing it? And I took two seconds. I was like, yeah, absolutely. We'll get Tom on board because his vision was so great. And, you know, we had the, the bug back for that project and we had the resources and we had the team. T the team for that film didn't change very much at all from the previous short from The Players. Um so yeah, that was, but yeah, I was on board for early days, early days, you know, it was always in the back of my mind, to be honest. <laughs> Did um, Darren ever talk to you what came first, the, the concept or the bird? Um, Darren's, I remember Darren telling me about the idea of, uh, and I'm trying not, not to give away too many spoilers in this, but um, the idea of a bystander not being able to do anything, not because they, well, yes, because they can't, but also because it's not their choice. So, but the early stages, I remember the early stages, he always had the bird. Okay. He, uh, like, Casey always, always had the had the bird. And the bird was the, the device. The bird also kind of represents the audience in that way, you know? Okay, so when you're on set, I mean... Who set designs this? I mean, you have tons of stuff going on. I mean, you really, I could read to you some of the things I found, but I'm sure you know. I mean, there's just stuff everywhere. I mean, you kind of have to see this two or three times to catch everything. So how overpacked did you guys make this set, and how long did you work on it? Um, honestly, that was um, that was a very small flat in Sydenham, in South London. Um, we did very little. That flat was... Uh, was already pre-decorated. It was somebody, it was Lee Lenton here, who very kindly allowed us to pack about 15 people into his flat and move tables and have like big pelly cases all around the place. And uh, no, we actually didn't dress the set at all. It was very much, uh, as, it, as you see in the film, that's very much how it looked. Okay, now I have to, so... Obviously, you're walking on this set, and it's nice and clean. Obviously, it's going to be a normal picture. You guys adjust the color tint heavily throughout this film. It can't be just lighting. How long did you play to get that eerie, creepy, I would <laughs> even say late 70s, early 80s look? Like, almost alien you know, Yeah, it was, I mean, that is to do with three people, four people. I'm just trying to think back. That's Darren. RDP Tom Laxton, Luke Halstead, those three guys, and Tom Eames, who was our first AC, they did an incredible job. Tom, 
I remember more now. So Tom, we actually got Tom in the night before that we shot for a couple of hours to, to recce it and just kind of say, okay, what can we do with this? How can we use volumetrics to create the real tone of this film? Um, and Tom, I remember going, this is going to be good. I remember having a lot of faith in Tom, but his level just went up a level when we were there because it was so, it was already very, very dynamic and very, very sort of light and shade and uh, very sort of uh, wacky in that way, as you said, that whole kind of 80s vibe, which Darren actually identified and wanted to do. Um, and then, of course, in post, that was Darren. Darren edited the entire film and he was the one who color graded it, sent it off to Tom. Tom would give his feedback. Um, yeah, and I, I'm blown. I honestly, I still get blown away when I think about where that film originally, what the concept and the conception of that film, and then where it ended up. Because I remember the very first time that I watched it, and I was so disturbed and so uncomfortable. Not because, not because of the performance, but mostly because of the look of the film and oh. all the post production. It was just, I mean. I it, it exceeded my expectations to be honest. Although you know, I feel foolish for saying that because the creatives on this film, like they all pulled it out the bag for sure. <laughs> so, when you were getting into character, did you adjust your voice? Because obviously, I know you don't sound like that. But I mean, how many times did you play with yourself? Like not that sense, but the voice. <laughs> getting the right <laughs> voice. Did you tell me that I played myself? Uh, that's a personal question. Uh, yes, no. I think, um, what, again, with the thought of really finding a, an emotional way into the role, Darren, very early, we had lots of conversations. We had lots of phone calls, lots of messages backwards and forwards, costume-wise, um, uh, preparation-wise, emotionally. Darren very much said to me, don't do anything with your voice. Don't adjust yeah. anything. Yeah, don't, don't do anything. This isn't going to be a role where you have a funny walk or a funny voice or a funny accent. And that, that was actually really cool for me to hear because I was like, oh, there are creative ideas here that I know that Darren's got. I have so much trust and faith in Darren, like his vision, his creative vision. Um, it got me really excited. And actually it was, it was quite uh, relieving because it meant that I could focus on the look and again that was those were conversations that I have every day um, I'd screenshot stuff I'd send it to Darren and say what do you think about this shirt or what do you think about this uh, 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 pair of shoes um, actually a lot of the costume I already had a lot of the items I already had and there were just a little, few little bits and pieces that I had to just sort of add on uh, The, uh, but yeah it was there is no it's it's interesting when I describe it. It's more when you walk on set um, and you know the way in and you know the direction you want to go before. And when you walk on set, it just it just clicks and you're in. And you turn out a lot of, a lot of shots that you see in the film are actually when the camera's well, the camera was rolling, but Darren just kind of left me and Aviana. Uh, in situ, in character, in role. 
and he would pick up little bits um, that he would put into the film. And we didn't even know that he was, he was rolling. Um, and again, that's, that's an organic, uh, naturalistic, very flowy kind of filmmaking that really makes the film what it is, you know? Did you know the music ahead of time, how creepy it was going to be and how perfect it was for the short? No, I had no idea. Actually, the, the, the music changed. Um, originally when, and I'm sort of giving a little spoiler, when uh, the, the, the volume on the, on the music gets turned up originally, that wasn't meant to be a, a kind of almost that, that tone of that song. Uh, and I'm being careful what I say. Actually, um, Darren had a different idea for what was going to be played. He wanted to play for that whole thing about um, cleansing. You know, Darren talked to me about how Kaysen wanted to cleanse the streets and make the streets clean. Um, it was actually going to be a, 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 um, a speech delivered by Hitler at um, the New- one of the Nuremberg rallies. Hmm. Um, yeah, right. And uh, and uh, he didn't tell me that he was going to change the uh, the music. He said that he was going to do something different. But on again on that final block, when you turn it, when uh, Kaysen turns up the music and you hear this sort of almost rom- romantic tone, this music, I just kind of went, "Wow!" I just went that's bang on, that's spot on. Uh, and it changed. It just changed it to, to make it, to add those levels. Um, and I remember <laughs> I messaged him. I was like, wow, what a decision. I was like, that's incredible. Uh, honestly, I've got to give it to him. He was, it, the post-production was all him. And our great sound designer, uh, Kirk Ashley-Smith, um, who is, I believe, in Vancouver. He's He's Canadian. Oh, um, again, you know, he's he's great. He's great. Great job. Everybody did such a good job. Yeah, you have a scene where one of the actors drinks. I think I'm safe in saying that. Did that go as planned? Um, <laughs> yes, uh, because this is a strength. What I love is that even if it doesn't go right, you keep it in. And yes. Aaron, uh, Darren, Darren, you know, he always works like this. He never cuts the, he never cuts the roll. He lets the action go. Um, and what you get is you get, um, you are able to stay in character so much. And I'm so grateful to the way that he directs because you just get that such organic performance. Yes, that, like, the, the drinking did go right because obviously Aviana is a lot taller than myself. Yes. So, um, there was some interesting playing with the levels of height um, and in character, you, you sort of get uh, you have a bit of a play, a bit of an improvise around that. And um, yeah, uh, but yes and no is the answer to that question. Sometimes it went right. Sometimes it didn't go right. <laughs> in the scene, I was going for that because in the scene you showed me, it looks like she's having issues. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that, again, Aviana did such a good job um, rolling with it. And uh, we just roll with it. The way that I, I work is it doesn't matter what happens, just keep going. You know, um, I remember there is something very recently. Uh, we did a, um, a small blocking of a scene from a, a feature film that's currently in development for this year. And um, it was quite physical. And I had to be the one to, to be roughed up. And um, 
I, uh, I, I hit my head. Um, you know, so he threw me down. I smacked my head against a, a cupboard. And immediately the guys were like, are you okay? Are you here? And I said, I, I just said, don't worry. Keep going. Keep going. It's, you know, because it's, you get, it, it, it's real. It's real. Uh, and um, again, they're very much the same with, uh, with, with that section. You know, there was, we just rolled with it. And Darren was very heavy on that. And um, it, it helps when, it helps when we know what is happening. Help, we help. It helps when the action kind of dictates your approach to it. And the, if you're in emotionally, if you're in, it doesn't matter what happens because you get something that you can use, um, which again, which is a great thing that, that was present on that film. You know. Okay, finding your lead female actor. How much did you have anything to do with that? Was all all Darren? Um, that because of the nature of the film, that was tricky. Uh, that was we did approach uh, different actresses, and we were very honest. Uh, and they read the script, and you know a lot of uh, toing and froing back with the boards, and you know we of course realized me and Darren were like, this is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Um, so. When an Aviana had done, Aviana had been on my radar for a, a short while before, and um, Tequila Carter, who is our, who, who was our, our props mistress, uh, she was responsible for all the the amazing um, prosthetics, let's say, and uh, and the the responsible for purchasing the the bird itself, which you know, really good device of that film, but um, uh, yeah. Tequila recommended Aviana and we reached out and Aviana was, she really liked it. And, uh, and she very kindly said yes. And, um, it was really good. It was the first time that I had worked with Aviana. I think the first time that Darren had it. Oh no, not quite. Darren had actually worked with her on another short. Not quite sure she'd, if he, oh no, he had acted with her. Sorry. Yeah. He had acted before with her. But um, but never in that capacity of like director, lead female, lead actor. So, yeah. But um, Aviana said yes, and she brought what she brings, uh, which is great. She's doing fantastically well so far, and uh, yeah, I rightly deservedly because uh, she's she's a trooper. She's a real trooper, you know. I have a strange question for you, but I'm going to try to word it correctly. Would you describe your character as having a sex fetish or just crazy? He's, to the outside, he's crazy. Um, to himself, he, again, you know, I don't want to, don't want to steal from Marvel, but he's, it's his purpose. You know? Oh, I agree. Yeah. It's clearly stated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. He genuinely believes that he is purposefully making society better in what he's doing, and that comes with you. You you get little nods to um, his sort of uh, past trauma in a way uh, in the film itself. It's not kind of uh, signposted blatantly, but there are small little tidbits, little nods to how he could be, why he could be the way that he is. But no, he's, he's crazy to the outside world. Um, and to himself, he is perfectly justified in what he's doing. Okay. 
you just wrote out the word sign. So I do have a sign in the picture that says, never mind the dog, beware of the owner. Now that had to be added. That could not have been there beforehand. That was, believe it or not, Simon, that was there before. Everything that you see. Seriously. Yep. No, I'm not. I'm, and it was, wow. and it was Darren. I remember Tom when he was lining up the shots, although it, it's hazy because obviously when I was in character, I didn't really step out and do much for the production work. And that was Darren's duty and job. Um, Tom would have picked up on that instantly and been like, oh yeah, we've got to get that in. Yeah, we've got to get that in. We've got to get that in. Um, there are signs all over the place. <laughs> Inadvertently, we seem to have made something which... You know, there are there are inadvertent signs all over the place. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going back to a little bit more set design. You have a, a jar in the film. Yeah. What is the jar really made of? That is, that's an actual jar. It's an actual jar. Inside the jar. The I see. I see. Uh, that is, uh, uh, oh, without giving too much away, um, that is tequila Carter. That is her uh, her department. Um, it, it's incredibly strikingly lifelike. Um, yes, I, I I remember thinking uh, when I was looking at it, I just thought this is going to be just. I mean, if you get any sort of close up or inserts, which they did, I actually really love. I I smile when I see that that part of the film. And then the door of the fridge shuts, and there's actually a to-do list on the fridge, and one of the list is must get ketchup. Yes, <laughs> very just, end shot. I think that's brilliant. That's the very end shot of the film. Yeah, yeah. Oh um, no, I lie. It's two seconds away from the end because we have the very end shot, which is my favorite shot. Oh, is yes, your favorite. The end I, is your favorite thing. <laughs> I love the end. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just again, it's that sort of history repeating itself with the end, you know. Yes. That's his routine. Okay, I do have one last question. When you leave this set and you're done, filming's done, do you need to decompress from that character? Or you're like, nope, let's go out to Harvey's or whatever you you go. Nando's, I guess, is the only place Uh, I can think of. (laughs) Go and get a Wawa or something. Yes. (laughs) Uh, No, no, my goodness. um, That was... I think, I think that was a good few days. I think, and that was in the, when you go so in depth in, in something, it did require a couple of days to just kind of reassess and kind of decompress and go, okay, no, this is back in the real real world now because um, it's it was very heavy, um, and the way that we sort of wrapped it was sort of like, oh, okay, we're wrapping, okay, everybody's going and packing up and leaving. Um, and uh no that's that's a that that was a good good couple of days but um that's how you know that you 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 did the job right in my opinion because when you had have those when you're so in depth and when you just go into it so hard um there is that sort of um fragmenting uh, there was a little bit of fragmentation between you know film and and real world so no it it took i think about four days four four wow. days was okay. Come, come all the way down. Do you ever people come up to you at film festivals and go, wow, and just walk away? Or how do they look at you at that? Or have they seen this yet? Uh, yeah, I, I've had one person um, who I'd known for a good 
couple of years now, say, how are you? I, 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 you're such a lovely person. <laughs> how can you portray such a role? Um, uh, and she knows me as well. Um, Vanessa, bless her. She said, uh, she showed it to the films of a couple of people and she, she said, uh, she said, he's just such a nice guy and, you know, you wouldn't want to meet him in the dark alley. And I, I always, it, again, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's, we've actually had people um, walk out of, uh, of the screening. I have heard that. Um, and right. to that, they say, no, it's not going to, you know, again, it's, you can't, oh, I, I think in terms of audience reaction, it, it's sort of, you cannot, you can never control how an audience is going to react to something because you can put your interpretation on things and you can have your message and your work. But as soon as one person sees in public, one person sees it, you've lost control of that interpretation. And everybody is going to interpret it with a different perspective. Um, but yes, yeah, there has, there have been, uh, surprised people. Let's just say people have been quite surprised, you know, when they've come up and talked to me afterwards and uh, they've got to know me cool. <laughs> instead of the character. I love it. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm done. I have three fun questions left. Are you prepared? Ready to go? Go for it, Simon. Okay. Favorite film? First time on the show, so I have to ask. Oh, my goodness. Favorite favorite film? That's such a tough question. Um, I know. Got to say... The one that I keep coming back to is uh, A Knight's Tale. Um, oh, great film. A- amazing film. Just such a, a um, such an inspirational, hopeful, fun, funny, tragic, sad. Like, it's got everything in there. And Heath Ledger is, is one of the ta- talent which unfortunately never got to sort of flourish in the way that we we would have liked it to probably but um whenever he you know it will always be burned into my mind a knight's tale i think in particular my favorite part of a knight's tale is when uh you've got the the baroque dance scene uh that morphs into golden years by david bowie (laughs) whoever came up with that idea I hope that they are remembered for the end of time because whoever thought to myself or, or to themselves, oh, well, you know, I wonder if we morph this into a, a David Bowie classic and have everybody having a good time and dancing. I hope that they get the credit that they so obviously deserve. <laughs> um, since I brought it up, your favorite go-to fast food location? Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, go-to fast food, I mean... I've, I've 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 been in the states uh, and it's got to be Chipotle. In the states, it's Chipotle. Absolutely. You don't have it in England. Uh, we don't have Chipotle. We only have Chipotle in in London, and uh, it's only one or oh. so maybe two branches. Uh, but um, in England, it's probably any decent fast food burger place. Not like McDonald's or Burger King, um, but more like where they do really good meat. They do really good meat, really good salad, cheese, onions. It's, yeah, uh, you, you've got me at, at burger, basically. <laughs> okay, last question. One film you recommend to people that they should see but never do? Oh, oh that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I didn't say they're going to be easy. 
No, you didn't. Alan's thrown me. Uh, the Negotiator. The, the Kevin Spacey, Samuel Jackson film? Yep. I, I, I have a feeling I came across that, and I have a feeling that that is a film that is chronically underseen. Oh, absolutely. It, it wasn't... It was... Did a decent box office, I say, when it came out, but you have to be my age to know that film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I came across it my my dad when I was with my dad. Um, he had the DVD of it, and I liked Samuel Jackson. I was like, okay, let's watch it. And God, I mean, what a film! I I think more people should watch it because not only is is it one of Samuel Jackson's greatest performance, but Kevin Spacey. I've got to say, he is he he's fantastic in that film. And yeah, very, very underseen that film. So yes, people don't watch it and people should. And it, okay. is, if I may, The Negotiator is actually on Disney Plus. I found it the other day. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you can watch it now. Okay, pimp out your stuff. Absolutely. Where are they going to find um, you? Uh, where, oh, my socials. Yeah, absolutely. On uh, Instagram, I'm Cameron underscore Bell 92. Uh, Facebook is Cameron Belt. You can see my, my headshot profile picture. Um, and we've got Yellow is currently on the festival circuit. It's doing really quite well. Um, another film that we've got on the festival circuit, 13 Seconds, starring uh, Leon Black and George Russo. Um, those guys were great to work with. That's a, another great little short film. And, uh, and yeah, I'm about socials, IMDb. I've Googled myself, so you can find me if you, if you put me on Google. Let's keep myself humble, you know. It's not, not, it's not too inflated. Uh, but, um, but, yeah, that's me. I'm about, I'm available. Thank you, and have a great day. Thanks, Simon. Have a great day.